You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Hey everyone, welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, and with me is Kelly and Daniel. Hi guys. Hello. Hey. Today we're going to be talking about recruiting ministers, so let's get into our car rides worth of content in just a minute. But first, what are you guys loving? I am loving the lemon Larabar. Mm. Do you know what Larabar is? I know are? what Larabar I've never had one though. There's like four ingredients. They're so healthy and delicious. It's breakfast. It's a snack. It's lunch on the go. It's great. I love it. But for some reason... They're for women. They are marketed to they women. They are really good. I had no yeah. them, but Are they marketed Daniel, to women or for women? It says they're like I think both. bars for women. That's what oh, it's labeled as on that's the bar. so weird. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if it's an ingredient in there. You've made homemade ones. Or, so interesting. I have, yeah. And but they are good. Mine have mine are the, what did you say, like the oh, RX? the RX bars have some protein in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly the same ingredients. <laughs> Those are the ones for men. I know, that's what I thought you were going to say. Have mine the are the manly workout. bars. <laughs> What are you loving, Daniel? Well, I just went on this great hike called Old Rag. It looks over the Shenandoah Valley, and they have great rock scrambles on this hike. That's my favorite part of it. You do all these switchbacks at the beginning and then get into these rock scrambles, and you got to contort your body through different spaces. And it feels sort of dangerous. It's not really, but it's a different way of hiking and climbing that I hadn't done before I really did this hike. Sounds difficult and scary. Yeah. So I'm you glad guys, you love it. You I'm guys can have you your like Lara bars. Yep, I'll, I'll my, sit on yeah, my butt and yeah, eat yeah. a Lara bar while you hike. Rock scrambles while you <laughs> eat my RX bars. What are you loving, Allie? Be a little sentimental here for a minute because I am loving my job right Aww. now. Get to work with you guys, some awesome so people. Great. I feel like we're in a little bit quieter season right now in those moments when you don't feel as chaotic or overwhelmed. You get to really slow down and just remember why you love your job and why you do it so that's what I'm loving right now awesome and we get to be creative and kind of visioneer when there's slower times Mm -hmm. definitely visioneer is that a word visioneering I knew what you meant it's like an Andy Andy Stanley Stanley word yeah Yeah. totally here is your cash alley for saying (laughs) (laughs) so around here we always say that the health of your student ministry comes down to relationships and those relationships Mm -hmm. happen in small group and for that you need great ministers in your program and that is much easier said than done sometimes so today we're going to be talking about recruiting great ministers yeah it starts with the recruitment you will get to the point where you have to coach and train them and we'll talk about those in future episodes but the first step is just having them in the doors these ministers who are going to serve your young people if you look at college coaches especially college basketball coaches i think are known for this Um, They are first recruiters of talent. They inspire the talent as well, and they get the most out of it. But guys like John Calipari and Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, these guys win national championships because they go out and they find the best players and they recruit them to their schools. And that's kind of what we want to do in our ministry is find the best small group leaders, the people that can um, do this kind of naturally, that have an aptitude for it, and then coach them up. Yeah, it's really hard to do, though, especially in student ministry. It's we're, we're asking for a big commitment, and you hear a lot of people say in student ministry, we even heard this at the Drive Conference when we went to North Point, which is like a huge church with a huge program and lots of leaders and a great vision for their program, but 
they even say like, we just need a warm body in there some days, you know? <laughs> so, so it is a difficult thing to recruit volunteers for student ministry. So let's talk about some ways that we can do that. The first way that we think is probably the most important way is to uh, create a why that draws people in. So if they know why you're doing it, they will give their time to a vision, not necessarily to a need or to a program. People give their time to a vision. And so if you create a great vision for your program and you have a great why um, to showing up every week, then people will, uh, that will draw people in. Versus just saying, hey, we need people. Mm-hmm. Come we're, on, we need anybody, we're anybody, desperate anybody. desperate for people, yeah. Do you, like ki- do you like teenagers? Even just a little bit, come on. Yeah, people don't respond well to that. So the second way is just to demonstrate hustle yourself, to work hard and, and, you know, let people see you working hard. Let people see you loving your program and loving what you do. People are attracted to that. Do you love what you do, Daniel? I do love what I do. Yeah, I don't know shows. if I always communicate I, that, but I try to. I didn't even know you were going to say that and look my, what I was loving. I this know. And you just... love your job, Allie. Oh, gosh. You are already doing <laughs> number on one and number two. <laughs> <laughs> the third way is to give small group leaders some responsibility. So they have the responsibility over their group, but there's certainly programs that, that we've, we've heard in, in some of the trainings we've done and we've heard at some of the conferences that we've gone to that there are leaders that just kind of want to roll in and, um, you know, right on time or even not even on time, but in time for small group and sit, sit and just kind of chat with their small group and then they head out the door. And so, um, and that, that can be okay. It doesn't mean they're bad leaders, but we want leaders to take more responsibility over their group and over the program. And, you know, there are also some leaders that seem like they just need to be spoon fed everything. And, and, you know, they have to be told, um, what to do or how to do it like lots of different times and and they're they don't take initiative to do like to take their group like last time we talked about managing small groups and you know take your group for a hike um, take your group off campus to do something spend an evening um, here watching a movie instead of doing small group like Allie said at the beginning of the podcast it's all about the relationship and so whatever you can do to form a strong relationship with your group is going to be worth it, even if you're not on topic every single minute of small group time. But we just, you have to encourage leaders to take initiative and and take responsibility for what they're doing. So uh, the next thing is to make it clear and simple. So we're trying to give them responsibility and we're asking for a really big commitment it's not an easy thing to do, but we can make it simple and we can make it clear. And that's all about communicating it to your leaders, which is sometimes hard to do. It's kind of a formula that you come yeah. up with. So we don't follow that formula exactly every single night, but we do try to give them some predictability. Um, and when you go away from that predictability, it's a surprise and it can add an element to the night. But it does help them to have kind of the regularity, same time, same program each week. Right, same order. And then order you kind of work the within the parameters yeah. of that. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, another way to find talented small group leaders is just to ask, invite. Really, I would say mm-hmm. invite, even over ask. Just invite people. You invite people to join your team. Even just the way you talk about it um, can make a difference in whether people are going to be interested or not. Invite people to join the team, invite them to come hang out and check out the program. People love to be invited to things and, um, you're going to get a lot of rejection because again, 
it's a commitment to ask people to come and spend two hours with middle schoolers or high schoolers. And so there'll be lots of rejection. What's your quote, Daniel, that you made up recently? You get lots of rejection before you make the connection. There you go. Keep that in your back pocket. Lots of rejection before you make a connection. And I think that's one of the most discouraging things. When you're trying to build up your program, you want to get, you believe in it, but people keep saying no to you. It's hard to keep pushing and pushing, but some people have to be, we have a lot of ministers who we've asked multiple times throughout the years. And then one year it's finally their time to step in and they're awesome. So it's keeping at that. Just ask. I've gotten lots of no's. Usually when you invite first, they laugh at you and then they say no. (laughs) Um, Another way um, to get the best small group leaders is just to be open to different kinds of leaders. So all different ages and different stages of life. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be a college student or a young adult to lead teenagers. We have retirees, we have parents, we have young adults, we have mature teens leading groups. We don't have to limit it um, to a certain demographic of people. Lots of people can, can do this job. I went to a a Young Life banquet recently, and there was a guy who stood up there. He was 80 years old, and he was promoting, uh, recruiting, trying to recruit more leaders. And he was talking about how he doesn't know anything about teenagers. He doesn't know anything about pop culture. He's the uncoolest person in the world. And he keeps going on and on about why all these things that would disqualify him from being a leader. And he's been a leader with Young Life for five years and has a group of boys that like love him like a grandfather. And he loves those boys so much it was so inspirational like he's like I just never thought I could do anything like this I never worked with teens so um be very open to different kinds of leaders yeah no matter who you are what your age is for that person they're going to add value to these kids life you even say that Kelly that it's a challenge because you're a mom age to your teen girls and I'm a young adult and my co-leader for our 11th grade girls group is 70 years old. Right. But we just have such a great dynamic and yeah. it's great. There's everybody can add value to yep. teens life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's that could be the goal. Just add value to their lives. Simple. Uh, the other thing is is creating a culture that people want to be a part of. And so when we talk about culture around here, we're talking about kind of just the way we behave. How do we behave as a group of people at program or when we have training, what is what does that look like? How does it feel to be a part of this team? And hopefully we're creating a feel where we listen to our leaders when they need to talk, that we take care of them in a number of ways, that we train them, that we build them up. And, and we are working towards having a group of ministers that can help us with that because there's only three of us and there's about 150, 160 leaders that we see on a weekly basis. So we need some help in doing that. Um, Some leaders are a little more needy than others. You know, they have more difficult groups or something like that. And so you need some help. And so as your program grows, you can put some ministers in place to help you with that too. Um, Finally, and this is a tough one. um, Sometimes you will recruit leaders and you will think somebody is going to be perfect and really great at it and they will come in and they won't be so great at it Mm -hmm. or they'll have some sort of um, life situation that ends up um, disqualifying them from being a a healthy small group leader. And so you have to be willing to let ineffective leaders go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably the toughest part of the job right there because we love them and they love the program. They're invested, but there are just some people that in their, this phase of their life, whatever may be happening, it's just not the time for them to be here. And those are 
tons of ways that Kelly just listed off, especially for personal asks when you meet someone, when you encounter someone, when they're inquiring a little bit about your program, how mm-hmm. to recruit them. But then there are times of year, the year when it's busier and when your program's about to kick off and you're in need of a larger number right. of ministers. So we have some ways that we do that around here too when we're looking to recruit a lot of people at once. Right. So it, it seems like every spring around here at Nativity, we do what we call ministry push. And what that entails is it's it's a it's a big church kind of push. So in mass at the masses, the pastor will preach from the pulpit that um, serving God at your local parish is a, a step in faith, is a way to um, take a, take the next step in your faith. It helps make you a better disciple of Jesus. And so it's a crafty way of asking. Again, it's not out of need. It's out of vision. We want everybody in our parish community to, to serve in some way. We think it enhances their life and that it grows their faith. And so we have a ministry push each spring and we ask everybody in the parish to, um, we, we I think we actually pass out cards most weeks like mm-hmm. or most mm-hmm. times that we do this yeah, we've right? talked about trying to do it with texting or other ways and the card yeah. is still the most effective way yeah everybody will engage with a card not everybody will pick up their phone and sign up for a mm-hmm. ministry but everybody mm-hmm. will look at a card and look at the choices and a lot of people will fill a card out and um, we usually get you know a few hundred cards up to four or five hundred cards it doesn't mean all those people are going to follow through um, but we generally um, give them a card that asks for all their information and what ministry they're curious about or which which ministry they'd like to join, and then we have a process to follow up with them. And so that's really important if you're if you're thinking about doing a ministry push, that you have a process that follows up with those people within a week. So you really need to um, they really need to hear from you within a week of signing up for ministry. You have a whole podcast from the Rebuilt Parish podcast where you talked about this in a lot more detail about how mm-hmm. what's on the card and how to process the card and what the follow-up looks like. So if you're interested in yes. learning more about that push, listen to the Rebuilt Parish podcast. Do you remember what that episode was? Probably, it was probably just called Ministry. Yeah, one of the... But it might have been recruiting ministers. Things that we call people into. A podcast on ministry, yeah. Um so yeah, immediate contact and follow-up is really, really important with that. People, uh, you know, in the past we've done a ministry push and then we haven't had a good process in place afterwards. And so a lot of people fell through the cracks and, you know, when then we've gone back years later and said, okay, we know that you've done this before and maybe you fell through the cracks. Give us another chance. We have a better process mm-hmm. in place. And so we really try hard. We have a team of people um, sort of like behind the scenes processing those cards, entering data, whether it's a spreadsheet or database that your church uses, entering those names and, and what they, what their interest is and entering their email so that they can be um, followed up with. It's really important to do that. Yeah. And it's definitely a big job. And that's why we have some awesome ministers and a team that comes and puts this into place, but we have seen some great return from it. So what is a win that you guys have seen throughout this process of recruiting ministers? Well, when we made a ministry push um, a couple of years ago, we had some ministers, we, you know, you get lots of no's before you make the connection, lots of rejection before the connection. Yep. <laughs> and one of those no's continued to pray about it for the entire next year about whether she was called to be a small group leader or not. And she came back to us in the summer following that, that push. So this was over a year later mm-hmm. and said, I've been praying about it. 
I think it's time now. And that really, I mean, of all the pushes that we've done, I think that's probably the biggest, well, that's why we do this, these pushes. Mm -hmm. You get lots of ministers from it, but you get lots of people thinking about it and just student ministry being on their radar. And she was praying about it for a year before um, God really said, all right, I think it's time. Yeah. And she was, she turned out to be an amazing leader of our ninth grade girls. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today on Uprising. We love you. Join us next time when we dive deeper into this topic and discuss once you've recruited ministers, how do you train them?